Under the Helmet. You do your thing, all right? Don't be nervous, okay? The show that looks at long-term player value in fantasy football. It's the moment right here. We're going to have to decide what type of team we want to be. Building dynasties each and every week. I don't even know your name. What's your name? Chad Parsons. Tell you, man, you're leading the league in hydration. I got a dynasty team reaping rewards for the next decade. Katie Flower. You may beat me, but you will not outwork me. Tim Torch. There's only one winner, Chad. Find their written and premium audio content at uthdynasty.com. Playing it safe in Dynasty means you're going to lose. Stop talking about it, man. Let's get this going right now. Welcome to Under the Helmet, looking at some long-term player value in fantasy football. Official show of UTHDynasty.com. I'm Chad Parsons, and Katie Flower is here. We're going to be discussing some of the players we've missed on, some of the lessons learned over the years with Dynasty players and assets or prospects. Also have a couple of Dynasty trades wanted to discuss for strategy purposes, because uh, the offseason, it's all about re-sculpting your team. And I, I did a promo uh, last week. You can go back and listen to that. Um, but at the end, uh, basically, I'm going to reiterate what the offer was, which is... If you would like to try out UTH with a general manager plus membership, go on, subscribe, rate, and review, take a picture, send it to admin at uthdynasty.com. And coming up, we'll have a raffle and we'll give one of those memberships away. Uh, so that's a way to try it out. But I encourage you with money back refund uh, to uh, try it out uh, regardless uh, with 250 plus premium podcasts. We did a dynasty trading strategy series over the last couple of weeks uh, that really can can rocket fuel your, your off season and give you new tactics. I'm always talking about putting extra tools in your toolbox so that you can pull them out whenever are needed for your existing teams or if you're a part of a rookie draft or a startup draft uh, for your uh, dynasty franchises. All right. So Katie, I uh, wanted to talk about a couple of these trades and we'll get to our feature topic uh, a little later on because Patrick Mahomes, uh, and I, I remember, you know, Jordan mentioned that, you know, he might be a, the one one in Superflex the next five years. You know, I mean, he could be that much of a cornerstone player, especially in that format. Uh, you know, and you've mentioned before about getting someone like a Patrick Mahomes, an impact player, that it's really like the cherry on top and say a start one. You know, you can really address the position uh, affordably, but yet if you kind of have everything else, you want to get impact everywhere you possibly can. And quarterback could be a way to do that in a start one as well. But I thought this one was interesting because the concept, and I, I did want to give a shout out to um, Adam Harstad over at Football Guys, because he mentioned this years ago of saying, basically that, that no player uh, is worth more, or maybe it's not worth equal to four first round picks, you know, or the equivalent of four first round picks. And I think that was maybe within the prism of, of one quarterback, uh, I'd have to go and double check that. But this trade is for that and maybe more uh, for Patrick Mahomes and Superflex. We've got Mahomes for Cam Akers, 104, 105, and 111. Um, and it, it's interesting to see that Patrick Mahomes, for some context here, was the only, only notable quarterback on the team's roster at the time of trading. They made the playoffs, but they have a, you know, a couple core wide receivers, but they lack overall. It seems like they got a little fortunate with how they finished last year. And they wanted to, again, do the let's build it up. You know, And this is one of my big assets here. And I want to get a lot to build out this team. So it's Mahomes for Akers, 104, 105, and 111. I'm perfectly fine with that trade. I think both sides get some great pieces. The side that had Patrick Mahomes and is giving him up is getting one, maybe two quarterbacks out of the deal 
depending on what they do with the 104, 105 or 104, 111, they could potentially get two quarterbacks that will go in the first round of this year's NFL draft. They are taking the biggest gamble, though. They're taking a huge risk. The, the side of uh, the picks and Cam Akers, I love his talent. Still risky, though. Um, at least they got one good, solid core player and then some very nice draft capital to work with to expand their team. So I don't hate it. And maybe it could have been structured differently, but I mean, it's, it's decent for both sides for, for rebuilding a team. Let's say you got a couple wide receivers and Patrick Mahomes. Those are really your pieces, let's say. And it's a, you know, you start, you know, six, maybe seven other players. You got the quarterback flex option, you got tight end. And is that a situation where, you say, hey, if I've got the normal amount of rookie picks. Yeah, that could take a you know time to rebuild. Yes, Mahomes will be there. You know, most likely when you're ready. Uh, now, when that end point is, are you one that you're more likely to do a trade like this and say, let me really try to rocket ship my progress a little quicker, or are you generally one to say, if I see a long-term lens, if that's a 21-year-old running back, you know, maybe a 24, 25-year-old wide receiver. Uh, you know, or a quarterback like this, are you more likely to say, I'll build around what I have? Or are you saying, let me see if there's strategic chances for me to get two, three, four quality cracks to rebuild faster? What's your general approach? Well, I hope that the person inherited them as an orphan. I can't imagine a team getting that way otherwise, but I would really, really hate to be the one giving up Mahomes. I, I think that to a certain point, with how much he scores, even if you don't have any other quarterbacks, you can still end up being competitive and being in the middle of the road for five to 10 years if you don't do something drastic. And then you're always getting that 106, you know, 105, 106, you know, maybe you make the playoffs and you end up with the 107 or somewhere in that range. That can take a long, long time to build. So I'm not necessarily opposed to trading a big stud like that. I don't know that I want to center it around as much as I love Cam Akers and I don't think the trade was horrible. I would probably go for different pieces, maybe a wide receiver or some position that will last longer, like Justin Jefferson plus those picks or something, something more like that. Okay. And on the flip side, I mean, is this something where you say, Hey, I have a bunch of picks. I'm a pretty good team. I can really, I can really help myself by getting an impact guy like Mahomes. I mean, it, it because he's one of the few guys, and you know, special formats. You know, maybe in a two tight end league, there's certain tight ends that are worth basically a lot. You know that that you got to come and bring beyond whatever is fair market value or high market value, any of those things. Mahomes definitely qualifies. Is he one where you say, if I'm good? Cashing in depth, you know, so if you're sitting there, you've accumulated these picks, but you're still a good team. Is this, you know, worthwhile? Is he one of the few players that you say it's a luxury ad, but one where if I'm still pretty good, you know, with my core assets and if Akers was my running back for, you know, and these picks haven't come to fruition yet, they would just would have been in the, the cupboard in the back end. You say, let me bank it. Let me bank some of these assets I've accrued and get my homes um, from that side. I mean, does that make sense as well? Absolutely. Um, and that's why I said it. You can see the trade for both sides of the equation. Once a quarterback 
is past their rookie contract and has proven, has shown that they've got that ability. We, we throw around the E word way too often. You see it on the Twitterverse, elite. Patrick Mahomes is one of those that really is elite. He's got the arm strength. He can run enough. He's mobile enough. Um, he can throw from any arm angle from the move. I mean, we saw what he did. He was laid out horizontal to the ground and still made an accurate pass. He's a smart guy. He's a hardworking guy, and he's on a great team with a great coach. I don't see that changing anytime soon for him. So once a quarterback wins that starting job, has that second contract, and they're putting the weapons around him with that kind of talent, he he could easily, as you mentioned, the first start, be the 101 in startup Superflex for many, many years to come unless an injury of some kind of substantial nature knocks him out of there. That's good bet. That's good bet. Yep. All right. Uh, next deal. And this is also super flex and it bridges to Jalen hurts, you know, being a discussion point this time of year um, for the Carson Wentz trade, you know, uh, Jalen hurts is worth more than he was a few weeks ago in the marketplace. And this was Jalen hurts, Debo Samuel and one Oh five uh, for Josh Allen in super flex. Give me Allen. I'll take Allen all day. Um, I think Hertz has good upside for this year. I don't think he's got the safety. He's high risk. Debo, he's just another guy. He's he's all right. 105, you could still get a good quarterback, but that's you're taking all the risk for that side. It's a lot. I think Allen, Allen has shown enough. He's not necessarily elite, but he's a top quarterback and He's got the size. He is, uh, he's got the arm strength. He's really worked for his accuracy. His team loves him. They're putting weapons around him. I see him in the top five, top 10 startup super flex for years to come. And so again, um, Hertz is not somebody that I'd be buying right now, but if I had him in places, I would contemplate selling him. If I could trade, him plus this package to get Allen, I think that's a good deal. Yeah, I mean, it seems like he's going to be knee deep in the high teens, probably. If I had to take a guess on how he's generally valued, um, I was going to ask two years removed from now. So, factoring in the 2021 2022 seasons, in 2023, what are the odds Jalen Hurts is an NFL starter? Yeah, I know that's I a high threshold, right, Katie? You always go, could you even be the starter for, for, what was it? Was your threshold three seasons in the NFL? Was it? Yeah, three seasons is is the minimum. But right. I always say through rookie contract is, yeah, yeah. And I, I just think that those odds are not in your favor, you know. And, and there's different thresholds, right? There's job security and actually being an NFL starter, and that's why getting to your late twenties or into your thirties and still being an attractive, valued NFL starter. This is beyond anything fantasy wise. That in and of itself is a security, is an achievement. That's sort of like a running back being a starter on your team. That's sort of a baseline for what you need and what you desire to then possibly be fantasy impactful. You got to at least be on the field. You got to be taking the reps. And so when you have a high risk profile like Jalen Hurts to, to even project out a, a couple of seasons and say, you're going to be the starter. I mean, 
to pretend like the Eagles couldn't draft a wide receiver this year, or if things don't go really well for Jalen Hurts, they're not going to be highly in the market next off season. You're kind of fooling yourself if you don't think that's within the spectrum of outcome, because a lot of day two quarterbacks plain flat out don't work out. Yeah, they get time to start in the NFL. Is that a partial season? Is that two partial seasons? Is that filling in as a backup and now you get the rest of the season because the starter's out? Could be any combination of these things, but it doesn't mean how many times you're going to be the unquestioned, unchallenged, you're our guy, week one starter, and how many of those seasons you actually get. Because Hertz is at zero, and we'll see if he's the week one unchallenged, unquestioned starter in 2021, and then we can count that as one. And then we'll see if we get to Katie's two, three, four <laughs> and see if we can all get, get up to actually having some confidence. All right. Uh, let's talk about some players we missed on. Uh, so these are about lessons. I do think it's pretty instructive to go back and it could be someone that has turned out very well that you did not think that that was a high likelihood, did not draft them in startups or rookie drafts much or at all. Could also be players that you were high on. Uh, just a really good profile, pedigree, a bunch of different factors. And for a number of reasons, it just has not worked out. Uh, you want to lead us off, Katie, with one of your players you've missed on over the years. I would like to, if it's okay, tell you both of the guys that I am thinking of because they tie in together. Sure. And I've got some material to support and what has changed uh, since since those days, if that's okay. Katie is approaching the bench. <laughs> All right. So with your permission, uh, I would say two big misses, two big busts, one that was more painful than the other. Uh, Josh Rosen, quarterback, uh, he had three really good years in college at UCLA. He was a high prospect. He had 140.1 passer rating in college, um, uh, 9,340 yards overall with eight yards per attempt, and 59 touchdowns, 26 inter- interceptions, which that's not hor- – I mean, that's decent. That doesn't have the signs of a bust. He seemed to be mentally ready. He was sized, you know, prototypical. He was a little bit skinny, but six foot four, 218. And the other one that wasn't quite as painful because of his price point, Josh Rosen was going in rookie startup drafts because he was taken uh, very high in the NFL draft. He was taken uh, 10th overall, I believe. Yeah, 10th overall. Because he went so high, he was drafted in the top five of most rookie super flex drafts. And who else? Yeah, that was the year that Lamar Jackson, Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold, and Josh Allen. Josh Allen was going late round one, early round two. And he was clearly the deal. Um, Lamar Jackson in that similar range, Baker Mayfield and Sam Darnold, depending on your leagues. So Josh Rosen at his price point, he seemed like a safe guy and he really wasn't. And the second guy that I want to talk about that I feel was a big bust. And again, this was more in the, in the range of QB three to QB four of that particular draft, but Paxton Lynch, uh, again, he was six foot seven, two forty five. Drafted in the first round, 26th overall to the Denver Broncos. He had three years at Memphis as the starter. He came onto the scene late um, as far as he wasn't a Debbie target like Josh Rosen was. 
People didn't know his name until his final year. So he slipped through Debbie cracks, but he put up 2000 yards, 3000 yards, and then almost 4000 yards in his, in his final junior season. So almost 9,000 yards, his touchdowns were 59 interceptions, 23 for a rate of 137, which again is not a bad set of stats for a college quarterback. What I liked about him so much was that he was a gym rat. He was a hardworking guy, and I thought that would work well for him in the NFL. I didn't necessarily hate the fit to Denver. He would, uh, They had finished in the playoffs that year, so they had some decent pieces around them. And both those guys, you, you, you say that everybody should get you know multiple chances. Josh Rosen, one year with Arizona and then traded and then didn't even get a full season at Miami. And now he's on his third or fourth team. He's on his fourth team already, and things are not looking good. The, the saving grace for Paxton Lynch being a bust was that he, he could be obtained late first, early second, and super flex rookie drafts. And he never really got off uh, like Baker Mayfield had that first really good, decent year, and then he was a start first-round startup draft. Neither one of these guys ended up being a first-round startup draft. That would have been painful. Or even a second round. They, they never even escalated because they both stunk it up pretty much right from the get-go. I've said this before, and what this has changed for me, what I've learned from it, it's hard to scout quarterbacks no matter who you are. The NFL misses a lot. And these guys are paid scouts, and that's what they do 100%. But from 2009... To 2016, the fir- there were 22 first-round NFL quarterbacks. Zero of them are starting for the team that drafted them. Zero out of 22. And only five of them are currently starters on an NFL team right now. One of them, Cam, uh, Cam Newton, is a free agent. He may get another starting gig, probably will. So you could say five and a half or six. But the which is around 23-24%. But still, zero out of 22 are on the team that drafted them. And, and then you look at the guys from the 2017 draft on, and there's so many guys. This year is the quarterback carousel, the quarterback go-round. There's guys like Sam Darnold that are fighting for his life. Mitch Trubisky may not get another starting job. Um, Dwayne Haskins is, is done. Daniel Jones there's question about whether or not he'll be there to a tongue of Iowa after a short stint is already being, well, should Miami draft a quarterback early? Don't know. They, they, or will they trade for Deshaun Watson? And there's just so many quarterbacks that fade out relatively quickly. It's I've gotten to where, especially in a startup to chase somebody that hasn't, at least had those three years and is looking on track. And even that isn't a guarantee because Jameis Winston had more than three years and he may get another chance. We will find out, but it doesn't take long. All of those rookie picks can disintegrate rather than chase youth. I say go for the middle aged value quarterbacks like the Russell Wilson's and uh, Aaron Rodgers right now is a value in Superflex startups, and so is Russell Wilson. Those two have become, you know, just dirt cheap. Third round for Russell Wilson, I've seen him in a couple of, of startups. 
Yeah, it seems like in Superflex, especially stakes are higher that you really want to have a high bar. I mean, I think at minimum, you want a couple of top 12 seasons, you know, fantasy wise. Really, you'd love a couple top six. And it only, it seems like there are guys like Cousins or Stafford, or again, fast forward three years, there's going to be someone else who's coming off the down year, who's coming off the funk on their profile. Right now, there's a bit of a discount. You mentioned Russell Wilson, Dak Prescott a little Dak bit. Prescott you know, when, when injuries happen, you can get discounts. Aaron Rodgers, I guess, didn't throw enough touchdowns. So you got an age discount. You got a, he's not superhuman over the last year or two. So that means he's not very good discount. So I think these are important that like, and I think what you mentioned, you know, d- meaningful capital, like if you want to take a dart throw at somebody fine, you know, if you're getting a, an extreme, you know, what do we get? Like Josh Allen at two Oh four or something in our super yes. flex draft. So that's different than going up and, and tier shifting. And all of a sudden you're drafting a quarterback with uh, plenty of inherent risk, as you said, at 105 of your rookie draft, 103, you know, and depending on the class, that can be horrific based on the other positions. But when you're getting and venturing out to, you know, 112, 204, but you're still getting good capital for it, that's a different discussion. But I think you have to be a little more agnostic about the name, you know, and, and more about the profile of, you know, how proven are they? How stable are they? Be, and it might be unsexy, right? I mean, you might not get the next it guy of who could potentially go up, you know, and now be a first round startup pick. Matthew Stafford, regardless of what he does this year, will not be a first round startup pick. That's impossible at his age. So, so it, it's not an exciting pick. It's not probably a league changing player selection or filtering process. But what it does is really eliminate the downside. You know, I, I think is is a lot of what you're saying, a lot of what your 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 argument is for. You know, that let's insulate ourselves so that we can kind of reduce a lot of the hand wringing and a lot of the high stakes downside from that position, which is important, especially if you spend heavily on it. I'm in a super flex startup right now, and out of eight draft picks, one has been a non quarterback. Trevor Lawrence went at 107. That's the highest I've seen him go. And I love Trevor Lawrence as a prospect. However, that's taking out any wiggle room to be wrong about the guy. I mean, you could look back a couple years from now. I, I, I doubt it with him, but it's possible that he won't be in the, on this list a couple years from now. Well, what if he's a good NFL quarterback, but not a super fantasy quarterback? That's another possibility, right? I mean, exactly. He actually does turn around the franchise, but what if he's never, if you're drafting a quarterback in the first round, they better have what best season, top three, top four types upside, right? I mean, because otherwise, what are you buying that high? I mean, you need to pick somebody that you can actually see a scenario. They're number one overall, right? I mean, like they have that magical change your season type. You know, now I have tons of options, you know, blank check, you know, Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes or, you know, after they have the big year or Lamar Jackson, right? A couple of years ago, then you have the world is your oyster. You can pivot to something else like, oh, Russell Wilson's cheap. Let me get Russell Wilson a first and something else for this guy that just had probably a career year. Now you have big options, but 
you know, if you don't see that as possible, if Trevor Lawrence puts together like, oh, he puts together, you know, he has a QB in the next five years, let's say he has a QB six season, a QB 10 season, and like a QB 13 season. And those are the three best of the next five years. Is that a good use of a mid first in super flex startup draft? I mean, you can probably get that result from other quarterbacks that were drafted rounds later. So, yeah, it's sharpshooting, sharpshooting, especially with the first round of a startup draft. You're not insulating yourself. Right. Well, like we you talk said, about you're, you're that. taking a guy we that hasn't even played in the NFL. And I know yeah. he has the sort of, he's the best since Andrew Luck. He's the best since this. There, there's, there's plenty of variable to, he could be the best since, and there's things that can happen outside of, is he any good that can inhibit him from being a QB, you know, a top five guy in the next two seasons, which I don't know if you're going to feel great about that pick. If that does not occur. Right. Exactly. And if you're seeing all these other quarterbacks that were drafted later, outproduce him, outproduce him, and you bought him so that he would be this long, insulated, stable, core, foundational aspect, that's great. But you're 0 for 2 in playoff appearances, and your first round pick hasn't contributed much at all to your wins. So, you know, that, that's the risk there. All right. Uh, my first guy. Uh, this hurts my soul. <laughs> hurts my soul. Um, I, he's 25, so let's not say that the entire book is written. But when you talk about a running back that's 25, you have data points and seasons growing to where you know the late breakout, especially if they had some pedigree, is uh, you know more and more unlikely. Um, that is Mr. Royce Freeman for me. Um, he was truly one of the big so far, projection model metric busts of recent years. Round three pedigree. He was a part of that great 2008 class. But the good news is, I guess, if there is good news, he was going towards the end of that. You know, we had Sequan Barkley at the top. We had Nick Chubb in there. Darius Geis was one of those top three, top four rookie picks. He ended up obviously not showing much at all. And now he's gone uh, with nothing but a whimper outside the NFL. Uh, Ronald Jones had a wide variety that year. I remember uh, he was going sometimes on the late side. But you had... Royce Freeman mixed in with Calvin Ridley, DJ Moore. I remember Christian Kirk late in that first round. Uh, he had round three pedigree, top three overall score in the projection model, 225 plus pounds, quality athleticism for the size, two-way producer. But what was he? He was on the older side. He was a four-year player. And then you say, what happened in the NFL? Philip Lindsay was the story that rookie season. Rocketed right past him. In that year one, uh, he's never really been the guy. You know, now he's 25 years old, entering year four. Raw odds for the round three running backs are 55% to hit for a top 24 season to start their career. With Royce Freeman going 0 for 3, he's down to 14%. So might he be a little better than that? Sure. Is he close to NFL free agency? Yes. But he's had nothing but, I, I would call it sporadic touches where you say, oh, look, look at Royce Freeman go. Like, that's a nice moment. Look at the movement for his size. Look at him break two tackles. It's just been fleeting. He's never really had that 1A opportunity. They brought in Melvin Gordon this offseason. Why? Well, you know, Melvin Gordon has a proven track record uh, to be a number one back. And so for Royce Freeman, the book isn't written, but you know what? It's getting late. It's getting late. There might only be a few pages left. Um, and again, I loved 
Royce Freeman from the metric side. I love the tape. He comes in. You think it's an open depth chart. I remember redraft. He was going relatively high, relatively bullish on that first year. And Philip Lindsay, UDFA, zooms right past him. And he was the story. He was the oracle. He was the number one back there. And it really hasn't improved for Royce Freeman situationally since. So I still believe in him. But, you know, again, he's gotten to the point of, you're in like a 24, 25 man roster. And he, he's a tough sell, you know, of saying that you, you, you kind of have to reserve a spot for him this off season when we get to rookie draft time over a second round or third round rookie pick. It just, it's brass tacks. It's about managing your team. And what I learned from Royce Freeman is, is a couple things. First is you can be all in on a player, but still don't think it's a sure thing. Now, obviously, round three draft capital is different than round one or top five or, you know, there's different tiers. But when you say a guy that was in round three as opposed to top 40, top 20, so you really shouldn't be all in, let's say, you know, especially when the price point is first round. And guess what? Third round running back compared to DJ Moore was a really good metric prospect in round one. So you say who's more likely to stick around their entire rookie contract or eventually be the guy, DJ Moore, probably the better answer in retrospect. So you can like running back. Uh, but again, I think that year specifically was a stacked year, you know, going up and getting one of the other top running backs was also another possibility. Um, but I, again, I think overstating the odds, especially when it's a good metric prospect, but they're not super high in the NFL draft. That's when you need to have some pause about how bullish you should actually be about that singular profile. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's a head scratcher for sure, because his film and his metrics both were popping off the charts. And in hindsight, there wasn't any one, it wasn't like he's a knucklehead off the field and just got into trouble or there's been injuries. Like Philip Lindsay was a known undrafted free agent. So if they can come out of the blue, a third round with that metric profile and the size and the speed and everything else, the, the only thing that shows me is that not anybody is bulletproof. And so that's the same thing with Trevor Lawrence that we just mentioned. Like everybody is using the E word on him that he's elite and they're already crowning him. And I do understand that because I've watched him and I do love him. But to say that he's not risky, to say that there is no risk or that he absolutely 100% is going to make it, the NFL is tough. Yeah. And I think, I think the inter one of the more interesting plot points of the next two and a half months is going to be the the price point and the kind of pivots that are available to you with 101 and super flex rookie drafts because you have plenty of options you can pivot down you can pivot to potentially another quarterback you could be pivoting to running back one wide receiver one of the class you could be pivoting to a veteran plus a pick. You could be pivoting to a veteran plus a future first. You have a lot of options with 101. And I know a lot of people are penciling in Trevor Lawrence right now, you know, for, for two and two, two and a half months from now. But I, I think tracking that and seeing what some of those cells are, where you could be picking up some of those profiles plus other capital that we discussed a few minutes ago is going to be the interesting part for, for 101 in Superflex, AKA Trevor Lawrence. 
Uh, but my other, the, go ahead. The warning, before you get into your next yeah. guy, the, the warning to that for listeners, especially if you're new to Dynasty, I am very high on Trevor Lawrence. I think he's got the least risky profile of all the quarterbacks, even though the other ones may have more upside. You're going to be assuming a huge risk by moving back. Make sure you get pieces that are worth your while. Don't just do it for a marginal bump. This guy is seriously very good. And he, he could have the starting job for, for a long, long time. So I would not, I mean, yes, there are a lot of pivots, but just know that when you, when you assume risk, you have to make the package so ginormous that in case one piece of it misses, you still have three others or, or something that's going to make it worth your while of giving him up, or you will be sad for years. Well, you say that, I mean, you might be able to get Russell Wilson plus for one. Right. That's fine. That's that's, not, so that's not risky. I mean, that's not, but you were talking about trading back and getting other. Sure, sure. I didn't mean trade pieces. back for one Oh four and one ten. That's not what I was referencing. Yeah. Yeah. I, I didn't want people to misconstrue. I mean, you might be able to get a solid NFL starter, you know, that is you beyond, go. you know, plus a mid round first and a, a future first as well. I mean, you might be able, and then what happens when that quarterback outproduces Trevor Lawrence over the next 24 months and you have these picks coming in, you know, and, and you have the, and you have these other assets. So, so that's really, you know, that's what I, I, I want folks to be thinking about, you know, and it doesn't necessarily mean now, now is still, even though, you know, a lot of people consider it, it's Trevor Lawrence and he's going one one and he's going to be going one one in my draft. It still is early to be shopping that pick. When's the best time to shop the pick after the NFL draft. And when you are close to, if not on the clock, that is the best time to, uh, to shop your pick uh, generally. All right, uh, my next guy. And um, this one is an interesting one for me because I can think back and I remember getting a share or two, but um, it was almost in a default, well, I guess I got to take him since. And that is Terry McLaurin. Um, that he's a boom bust profile all the way. Now he's been boom and promising what we've seen so far. We still haven't seen a big ceiling, but what we've seen is a guy uh, late day two that came in right away and started producing. And the, the mantra right now is, well, if Washington had a better quarterback, then we'd be seeing you know a top 10. There's, there's folks right now that have Terry McLaurin in their top 10 dynasty wide receivers or top 12. I've seen it. I've seen it in the last 12 days, 12 days. I've seen it in the last week. And Again, is that possible? I think it's possible. I do think it's a little late. I think he really needs to put up a monster season to get there because he's already, I think, 25 for this coming season. And I I just think there's a number of guys with more pedigree, uh, with more cachet in the marketplace and or younger that have a much easier path to keeping ahead of him or surpassing him. So I don't want to get into that part. Let's go back to him as a prospect. There were a bunch of boom bust guys in that specific draft class with Terry McLaurin. You had McCole Hardman. You had Paris Campbell, Miles Boykin, Darius Slayton, Debo Samuel. They were all in the bucket of way better athlete than production in terms of their profiles by a decent amount. Um, the one thing I would say that I... The biggest thing I missed was, well, number one, the price point. McLaurin was like 
what back half round three. I remember Jordan and I in a co-own league got him in like the fourth round because he was just sitting there. So it's like, well, event- at some point you take the pedigree, right? You take a day two guy, but here's what I missed is that you had a hard worker, you know, to, to go into Katie's, Katie's uh, wheelhouse here. You had a hard worker coming out of Ohio state. If you wanted to tell the story of why he didn't produce, it's because they had a bunch of talented wide receivers but he did have day two pedigree. We're talking an elite uh, elite athlete. And what was going to stop him on the depth chart? I went back and looked. Paul Richardson was like a, let's see if the, he can stay healthy. Let's see if he's any good signing in free agency. Kelvin Harmon, I remember, was going you know, reasonably high in rookie drafts, even though he almost fell out of the NFL draft. He was on that depth chart. Trey Quinn, Vernon Davis was their de facto mid thirties veteran tight end. So what was going to stop him in the passing game? Really not much. And it's sort of the, the Darius Slayton factor, right? What's scary on that depth chart, you know, that he was able to rise up. And so I think wide receivers that have plenty of athletic juice, and at least produced a little in college, I think we need to be more open to those types and not more open to them like I'm going to take them at 110 or 204 or some point where you still have a lot of good options. But when you start venturing into like the mid-third or late third or into the fourth round, I think we need to be more open to these opportunistic depth charts, especially with a player when you, you can almost envision they could be a riser in camp. They could show right away that they are at, you know, as good as their best in college or better you know, if they were coming from a dicey situation. But if they had some pedigree and they have NFL skills athleticism-wise and you say there's nothing on a depth chart to stop them, that's what I'm going to remember about Terry McLaurin. And you got to get the right price point versus this, this profile. But then I think you really need to take an assessment and go, yeah, I generally don't draft wide receivers this late. Generally, they're not great bets. But if they have enough pedigree and all of this makes sense, you check these boxes, it's worth considering if there are none of, you know, there's not a top 50 drafted tight end, you know, or there's not a, a top 10 drafted quarterback, or there's not, you know, a, a day two or early day three running back that really fits a lot of what you're looking for. Then I think you do need to turn to these wide receivers where this storyline makes sense for an early flash or an early boom, even if it isn't as pronounced and sustained as Terry McLaurin has been so far. Yeah. Um, I remember I really did like him. I was getting him in that third round pretty consistently because even though he was boom bust, as you mentioned, there was so much opportunity there. And at that price, if you, if he busts, he busts very different from his teammate, Michael Thomas, who we also missed on, but he was a first round rookie pick and similar type story. Didn't have the greatest NFL combine, didn't have the greatest metrics was I think on the older side a little bit, but do you think I actually had Michael Thomas uh, in addition to a few other guys written down here with Michael? Th- I remember that was a weak class. Michael Thomas was going around, you know, Kenneth Dixon and Devontae Booker. It was that 2016 late first round where once you got outside, Will Fuller, I remember, and uh, Derek Henry was sort of in the mid first round. Do you think Michael Thomas was an outlier? Do you think we should have maybe? you know, the possibility of being the wide receiver one with Drew Brees in New Orleans should have been, that, that, that was sort of an appropriate value in round one? 
just on the possibility that that occurs? Or is that just, you know, it's a miss. You just take, I think that's just hindsight. You you can't, I mean, there's, there's going to be guys in this year's class. There's it's, I think it's just a miss. You just got to chalk it up to, I mean, there, there were a lot of landmines in that particular draft class uh, more so than some. And he was, he was one of those that we, we had Will Fuller rated. And if they were both on the board, it was Will Fuller all day. Yeah. And you can't say that Will Fuller has disappointed. He's we're finally starting to see it. Yeah. What's that? Last, last couple of years, we finally got to see it, you know, right. and, he, and he was healthy this past year and he was points per game. He was a wide receiver one, you know, top 12 guy the last two years um, with what he's been able to do. So we'll see with free agency, but, but yeah. And, and I think one of the bigger points thinking back to 2016 was the, you know, pushing up day three running backs. And if you have, yeah. if you are to the point of having to, if the class is not so good that you are pushing up day three running backs to that extent, because a lot of times you're getting day two guys at that position, mid second, maybe even later second, you know, the Alexander Madison effect, you know, or James Conner effect in, in other classes, then you kind of need to say, Hey, I got to bail on this pick or I got to go a different position. I got to do something else because day three running backs are available in round three of your rookie draft and you shouldn't be taking them at 110 or 111. And I, that's this, maybe one of the biggest takeaways. Yeah. So that's a cautionary tale. I've been saying it uh, this year to anybody and everybody that will listen. This year's running back class is, is fairly weak. There's going to be a lot of those round three and beyond type guys. And there should be five, at least five wide receivers being drafted in round one. Now, not all of them necessarily should be on your uh, rookie draft board until or unless it's at this price point. But don't push up guys from round three that are running backs to the 112 if there's still a first round NFL wide receiver there, or even a tight end that's first or second round. I would not, I, I've learned that lesson with the Ken Dixon and the CJ Procise and Devonte Booker. And, and uh, yeah, all of those guys. Do you think if one of the, the quote unquote, bigger name type uh, running backs ends up slipping to round four of the NFL draft, do you think it's possible in this class where there's a lot of other things going on, as you mentioned, um, with with pedigree at the other positions? Do you think it's possible that that they go top twelve, top fifteen in, in some drafts just because they had, you know, a profile, you know, or or kind of some buzz for two three months leading up to the draft? Even if they slip from, oh, I thought they were going to be a top 50, 60 pick, and they go, you know, one ten overall. And yet still people, Hakeem Butler style, draft them, you know, kind of higher than the the now new pedigree would 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 suggest. Are you talking about running back or yeah, any- running back? I mean, do you think someone like like let's say, you know, Michael Carter or I'm trying to think, Trey Sermon, or I mean, what if Javante Williams ends up going round four? You know, that I mean, do you think it's possible a guy like that or Kenny Gainwell or whatever ends up still going in the top 15 or so of, of a rookie draft because he was kind of viewed in the top 10 to 12 before the draft? I do. I and I that's one of my big concerns with people like uh, Ken Gainwell. I'm, I'm not a big fan of his. And if he goes round four to a really good landing spot like Arizona, for example, 
then I think that he could easily be back half of the first round and end up a miss for people. Yeah. I mean, it's worth noting. I mean, that would only be a little bit more pedigree than Chase Edmonds, <laughs> who's also on the team. So I think that would be interesting to see like a round four running back go to Arizona and people flock and all of a sudden Edmonds, you know, might be worthless <laughs> because everyone's on the rookie now. And it's like, well, this is probably a closer vote than, uh, than a lot of people are assessing. You know, if that's like, and that's like, you know, 201 rookie pick and now Chase Edmonds is worth like 305. See what side, uh, see what side we're on there. Um, we're, we're coming up on NFL free agency, Katie, uh, you'll be back on, you know, we'll, we'll kind of diagnose that as it's happening, uh, with NFL free agency it could be rookie draft related. You're also part of a startup draft. You kind of alluded to that with, uh, with how quarterbacks are just flying off the shelves in round one. And I've seen that consistently, consistently this off season. Uh, what are some of your final thoughts, uh, to impart your, uh, your wisdom here, uh, to close out the show? Just that with no NFL combine this year and it will it will be a just the next couple of months, we'll have some pro day information and the free agency market. I, I would say this is a really good year not to overreact, um, especially to landing spots. And I think we'll need to rely more on what the NFL draft tells us with draft capital more than anything else. Um, hopefully we get some sizes, some weights, some speeds and some good measurements from the pro day. But if you had an evaluation on a particular player and they dropped to round four or five, then you've got to accept that maybe you've got to change your mind on that person. But if, if you had a good evaluation on a player and they do get the draft capital, but somebody else has a better quote-unquote landing spot, don't let that hype that happens every year, but especially this year, the way that things will be with no combine, uh, just don't let it affect you. Try not to let it affect you. Be patient. And do you have a, do you have a tip or two for folks in terms of rookie pick uh, trading or maybe not trading uh, over the next couple months before the NFL draft. Yeah. The, right now is not the time to be trading your rookie picks unless you're incrementally moving up. You're, you're moving, but I don't know. It depends on what you're, what you're trying to do with that. If there's a ton of really good wide receivers running backs, is going to be thin. There's a handful of two or three tight ends, maybe four tight ends, and if it's super flex, four or five quarterbacks, depending on what you think of Mac Jones. So try to hold on to your rookie picks. Try to accrue some more. Right now, that second round is going to look good, if it's, especially if it's a super flex or super flex with tight end premium. There will be some very valuable players right through the end of round two that you can get for a steal. And I'd start – putting some of those in the bank if you can. Yeah. Um, that's really good advice uh, as people go through here because, uh, you know, existing leagues, you know, you sometimes people sit on their hands and other times, uh, you know, they, they are trying to make some massive move or think that, Oh, I'm sitting at one Oh two. And man, right now I should be trying to trade down where, 
you know, the player that you might be thinking is appealing to someone uh, might be a different player and you might have more people interested uh, later on in the process, AKA, you know, once, once you get post NFL draft, once you get on the clock, just because uh, of, you know, people having more clarity um, and clarity is where you really can uh, have, have a better bidding environment if you're looking to move down. Now, moving up, again, you give yourself more options. And one thing I always, always say about rookie trading this time of year is that, you know, if you move up, uh, very rarely will you be quote unquote stuck where you don't feel like you've improved your options. Uh, when you get on the clock, if you're moving, you know, from 108 to 104 or something like that, that you're going to have deductive reasoning, you know, of, of more players on the board uh, for, for that pick. And what I, I see is, you know, at worst, you can pretty much trade down for what you paid. Um, or, you know, you're probably going to profit even more. Or you stay and you pick someone that you had no business being able to acquire at your your later pick. So it just provides you more options. Um, so moving up this time of year is way better than moving down outside of some godfather. And well, guess I have to take this. Get you, guess you like it more than I ever could. Um, and so again, you kind of know those offers when you see them. All right, so that's going to do it. Katie Flowers at FF underscore Skyler399. I am at Chad Parsons NFL. Reminder, I'll just give a highlight here to UTHDynasty.com's trade calculator. There's 25 different league formats, three different league settings to customize your experience. This is a historically backed player and positional valuations for each format. This is not ADP or cookie cutter projection based. These are in-depth UTH player values distilled into a single number for your leagues across those 25 different league formats and three different team direction settings. Um, and again, you get trial access with a general manager membership sign up, uh, or it's a standalone product if you want to sign up for three months or longer. And uh, I'm giving myself more work here, but if you're three months or longer, you can then request for startup drafts upcoming. You can get a custom UTH draft board to track, monitor, and guide your uh, best startup draft coming up. And uh, again, you get it customized with those player values for your format, ordered by positional ADP. And again, just jumpstart uh, a game-changing incentive there uh, by request uh, once you're a three-month or longer trade calculator subscriber. Until next time, never settle, refuse to be average, and keep building those dynasties. 